uncle worked for the British government. He was a spy. And I think you are too. I want to find out who killed my uncle. Is there something we'd like you to do for us? No one outside this department needs to know about this operation. I do this one thing and it's over. They leave us alone. At the end of this, he will be transformed. Welcome to episode number 11 of Central Intelligence Cinema. Today, we're doing our first TV review ever, and we're kicking it off with Alex Rider season one, which is available on both IMDb TV and Amazon Prime. Um, because this season is only a few months old, we try to keep things relatively spoiler free. However, I will preface this episode by saying that if you're one of those people who don't even like to watch the trailer before seeing it, then you may have to steer clear of this one. But with that said, let's get stuck in, shall we? Take it away, Pierce. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Solo. Bond. James Bond. Ethan Hunt. Felix Leiter. Ilya Kuriaki. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Do you expect me to talk? Yeah, baby! <laughs> Coming to you from an undisclosed location in somebody's basement with really poor lighting, it's a Central Intelligence Cinema podcast. I'm Jason Greenberg, and with me, as always, Ben Esslinger. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> Somehow or another, I have not been fired from my position just yet. <laughs> and welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema. We got a good one today. We're uh, we're, we're doing something a little different than, uh, than we've done ever. Um, this is our first TV uh, series review, and uh, I'm excited. I, I think this was a worthy candidate to... Uh, Kick the tires as you as you um, mentioned it, you know. Yeah, I think this will be a good intro into uh, you know reviewing some some cool spy related TV shows. Um, we are going to review Alex Rider today, available to you on IMDb or Amazon Prime. It's a great series. It's eight episodes, and uh, it's basically like a young James Bond. I'm just going to read the summary here from IMDb that'll sort of clue everyone into sort of what's going on with it. When Alex Ryder learns that his uncle Ian has been killed in the line of duty as a British spy and not in a car accident like he's been told, everything changes for this otherwise normal teen. <laughs> he is approached by Alan Blunt, head of a shadowy offshoot of MI6 known as The Department, who reveals that Alex has been unknowingly trained since childhood for the dangerous world of espionage. Pressured to help investigate his uncle's death, and how it connects to the assassination of two high-profile billionaires, Alex reluctantly assumes a new identity and goes undercover in a remote boarding school called Point Blank. Isolated far above the snow line in the French Alps, Point Blank claims to set the troubled teenage children of the ultra-rich back onto the right track. But as he digs deeper, Alex discovers that the students are in fact the subjects of a disturbing plan by the mysterious Dr. Greif, a plan which he will have to risk his life to stop. Bada boom, bada bing. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, it turned out far less cheesy than it sounds in the synopsis. Thank goodness. Indeed, indeed. I And 
far less cheesy. You know, I never watched the movie version of Alex Ryder that came out yeah, several years ago, but I heard it was god awful. Um, I heard it was dumbed down and hyped up a bit. You know, in a way, you know, they they lost any grittiness to it. Whereas I feel like this, I feel like they added grit to for to sure this, to to give this some gravity, to give this some. They get smacked around a lot for being 16 in the show right. or 15 or whatever he is. Yeah. Well, they did. Um, the other thing I know is that they they aged him up just a little bit to allow for some of that to happen. Sure. So, yeah, it's based on the novels by Anthony Horowitz. Season one is based on a combination of the first two books, uh, Stormbreaker and Point Blank, which I thought worked well for the most part. Um, although I, I will say that I've seen a lot of critique online of this season that it moves too slowly to start with. And I think, mm. I don't know if I agree with that, to be quite I honest. I don't think I do. I think I mean, you kind of need that. You kind of need all that exposition and and sort of, you know, because you're creating a origin story plus an adventure yeah. on top of it. Right. Well, and, and, you know, nine episodes is just about the right amount before you start getting silly and having to put filler in right. and stuff. And you're starting from a cold, cold open, basically. There, you don't know who this kid is. You don't know anything. And if you jump right into "hiya, hiya, I kick you, sir" kind of stuff, <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't get any investment in the character. Right. Exactly. You have to sort of develop and figure out who this person even is to begin with. So, right. I actually didn't have any problem with that at all. And and no. I mean, and then by the time you hit episode four, episode four is where everything goes. Like mm -hmm. that's when it gets kind of batshit and awesome. But even leading up to that, you still get little sort of adventures along the way. So I, I really didn't, I, I think it moves quite well, actually. And uh, I, think, I agree. I think the, the strongest part of the whole thing for me is the cast. I was really impressed. I noticed there were some uh, Game of Thrones alumni. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Janice> Baratheon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the guy that plays uh, Alan Blunt. Guest starring the guy that plays Alan Blunt's hair. What was going on with that? That hair was amazing. Holy yeah, cow. no doubt. I don't, know if, I don't know if that was real or fake, but it was. It was a character of its own. It was exceptional. <laughs> uh, we have uh, Otto Ferrant as Alex Ryder. Really thought, man, they picked he the did right a solid job. Right? Yeah, they picked the right kid to do that to to be him because he just. He's just enough teenager and just enough really smart guy to he just he's got the right combination of what of what you need to like believe in this kid. Yeah, you can believe you can believe that he's a teenager and you can believe that he's a teenager who's been programmed with certain things because yes, he never a plays set of skills, <laughs> a certain set of skills. Well, this is very embarrassing, isn't it? He sees straight through our cover, traces his uncle's car to the scene of his death with remarkable ingenuity. Gives one of our agents a broken nose. And then follows you all the way across London and finds his way here. He, he plays it at odds with his own personality as the character. It makes it so convincing. It's kind of creepy to watch, I think. Yeah. Um, I also like the fact, too, that he's not... He's an attractive kid, but he's not a pretty boy to the right. point to the point where, which is, I think, one of the biggest faults of the movie. He was too pretty in the movie, whereas I feel like Otto Ferrant is just at the right level. He's yes, he's attractive, but he's not like over the top attractive, pretty boy, 
pop right. starlet type thing. Um, I love, love, love the character of Tom in this movie. Who is? Oh, you mean Benedict Cumberbatch Jr.? <laughs> yeah. Brennick O'Connor is just, he's such a weirdo too. Like I've seen, yeah, yeah. I've seen interviews with him. And he's such like kind of an oddball in real life too. And sure. And so I just, I think he's such a great character and apparently he's not, Tom is not nearly as big of a character in the books as he is in the movie. They, they sort of retrofitted him to be a little bit more of like the sidekick, the faithful sidekick. Sure. Um, which I think was a, a wise choice as well. I think you kind of need that. You need that like, reality you know to bounce off of of alex's crazy yeah. world that he's that he's entering the, and then you've got this normal kid that just wants to like make independent movies and all that kind of shit <laughs> yeah i some of some of it spilled a little contrived towards the end a little bit yeah yeah which i think is kind of unavoidable when you're talking about teenagers in this kind of situation but yeah um i think the character just kind of sold the whole I'm the basis, the grounding that mm-hmm. keeps Alex in check yeah. where it needs to be. And, yeah. and you're absolutely right. In a reduced role, the character would have, I don't think the Alex Ryder character would have seemed as genuine without yeah. that balance of the goofy friend. The in goofy there friend because, that also, like you said, places him in check too. There's a couple of right. moments in it where, where he's like, why are you lying to me? Like, I'm your friend. Like, I'm your one friend who's, right. you know, whereas there's all these other people that Alex can't trust at all. Yeah. I thought Vicki McClure as Mrs. Jones, who is sort of Alex's handler uh, within mm-hmm. this MI6 sect. I thought she did pretty well. She's kind of got a very uh, Scully <laughs> kind of yeah, look. English Dana Scully. Yeah, she's kind of got the same a thing. she's kind of got a Dana Scully vibe going with her. We've also got uh, Thomas Levin as Yasin Grigorovich, the head of Scorpia. Which Scorpia. I I know it's it's a little it's a little contrived, but I do I do like the fact that they basically made up their own version of Spectre. Sure. And he is so good as, yeah. as that main bad guy. He's just got the right thing to it. But that being said, he's got a scar on his face. He's Cossack. <laughs> Why didn't they get Sean Bean? Hello, Alex Trevelyan. Like, this is... <laughs> he's, he's too busy riding on a snow train that's a 1,001 cars long. <laughs> is he on that now? Yeah, he's on Snowpiercer. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> Sean Bean is on Snowpiercer. I had no yeah, idea. He's, he's kind of the bad guy, so at least you get that. Yeah. Anyway, Sean Bean would have died anyway if he would have been in Scorpio. Well, that's so. true. So, you know. <laughs> now we have a bad guy that survives to the next season, even though <laughs> or <laughs> perhaps he'll he'll come back in season three since we're we're getting a oh, I'm to, sure Toby Stevens. Gonna, Toby Stevens. Yeah. He's still gonna be lurking around talking on the phone to Toby Stevens, though. Yeah, I'm sure. He'll he'll be like an arm of Scorpio, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. So number two. Number one, number two, <laughs> number four. And it, it is funny how many Bond connections this movie has, just yeah, or, or, uh, or the show, this TV show. There's similarities. Just, yeah. Well, I mean, Anthony Horowitz is such a Bond disciple. I mean, he yeah. wrote the fact that he's already written a Bond continuation novel um, in Forever and a Day. And he just, his entire structure work, you know, you've got a cue, you've got a, um, you've got 
And then you've got one more in, in Alex's handler. You know, you've got all those things in place, all the, the same mm-hmm. sort of bond structure, even point blank, the, the school for troubled, you know, rich kids or whatever is straight out of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. It's way up in the mountains. It's all snow. You know, I'm just kind of waiting for like Telly Savalas to come out. And <laughs> <laughs> you, know, we, you know, what we actually need is, is we need like, I don't know what, because I've read any of the books, but I think in season three, we need to introduce Alex to his uh, his American friend that comes over and, and helps give him the mission intelligence, then disappears yes. until later in the film, <laughs> where he probably ends up dying at the end. And then they replace him with a completely different actor in season four or five. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. <laughs> yes. We definitely need a brother from Langley. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be like, so what part of America are you from? Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Bondian elements are, are everywhere in this thing. Yeah. I mean, they're there, but it, it doesn't feel like it's, a it's not a ripoff mini- either. Though. Yeah, It's not a James Bond movie. It's just got a lot of the tropes that come from the James Bond movies in it. Yeah. I mean, I will say this: the if I have a critique, it's actually the base of this of this <laughs> of the secret intelligence service that Alex is is working with, because it's it looks yeah, like you said, it looks like some sort of basement or something. The lighting is all terrible. Granted, they're all working on these really high end computers or whatever, but like all the lighting is terrible, and you would think that in a place that is all about intelligence that they <laughs> that they wouldn't allow their agents to work in in darkness you right. know what i mean like well i have to wonder you think they I, got the mole in the first place yeah. <laughs> terrible working conditions <laughs> i have to wonder if that's kind of a uh, so is this uh, is this alex horowitz guy is he uh, is he english oh anthony horowitz? anthony horowitz I believe he is, yeah. So I have to wonder if the whole underground base thing comes from the, you know, the whole thing in World War II, or the, all the offices were underground, and if that's right. just sort of a cultural thing that translates over. Because, I mean, James Bond ends up underground, right, right, in, even in, in the Skyfall. newer films, right. Yeah. But I mean, in general, there's a lot of underground layers running around in the James Bond mythology. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just wonder if that's a cultural thing. But then, I mean, I see it here in american spy mm-hmm. stuff as well um although it's speaking of uh, you know jack ryan uh if that the langley office of jack ryan looked anything more like a business office where they sold paper i would have laughed my head <laughs> off so maybe so maybe it's clear enough but i i mean i think it's i think that's just a like a british cultural thing more than anything else yeah secret was, people got to live in the shadows yeah i mean there there's that element and then there was part of me too that was like is this like a budgetary thing is that why um although just lighting is a choice so yeah why, I was they, gonna why, say. why they chose to light it so so why they made it so dark in there is anyone's guess and they're all working on these like dingy metal tables and every time mm-hmm. they have a meeting it's like on the shittiest metal table like yep. <laughs> bad chairs and <laughs> there's no water or or beverages or <laughs> they're all just sort of <laughs> there's no break room there's everybody no... has to go up 10 flights to go smoke a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah that that was an interesting choice but uh yeah I will say musically, I really like the theme song. I really, really like the theme song. Set our eyes 
west, chase the sunset into wine on my breath, and you got the whole world ahead and the old world behind. Old world ahead and the old world behind. Old world ahead and the old world behind. You're the whole world and the world is mine. I actually thought the music throughout the whole season was really good. I thought it was yeah. youthful, but it wasn't so youthful that it alienated. It didn't alienate people who are in their 30s and 40s. And I think that's important because when these these books came out, you know, about 15 years ago. And so people who are now in their 30s are going to really want to watch this show just because right. that book series was pretty big when it initially came out. And so the fact that they didn't go, you know, you're not going to hear the weekend <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, instead you're hearing things that sound like the Arctic monkeys and, and things that were big, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago playing in the background, just thought they made good choices in that respect. Oh, that was the other thing I was going to mention the song from the open. I liked it so much that I put it on this playlist and I've, since renamed the playlist, uh, the midlife crisis soundtrack <laughs> to my life, because, <laughs> because basically what I did was I made a, a <laughs> I made a, li- a track list of a bunch of different spy songs so that I could listen to it in my car and feel more cool. <laughs> and okay. that's, and that's basically my version of, of getting a, a convertible or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or getting a divorce. <laughs> so I would, I would definitely opt for the convertible before the divorce. Just saying. Yes. Oh, well, no, for sure. I, I have no intention. I have no intentions just for the record. I have no intentions for divorce. I was just trying to think of tropes associated or a convertible with, for that matter. Or a convertible. Yeah. I, I, I actually hate convertibles, but <laughs> midlife, you were looking for midlife crisis proxies yeah yes exactly okay, well, midlife crisis I, adjacent <laughs> it's, well it's funny that you should mention that because uh back in my younger days uh my first car was a very spiffy toyota celica gts ah. it was it was very solid yeah. sunroof all you need to know on it and one of the first uh cassette tapes look it up kids uh <laughs> that, that i ever got was the then full collection of james bond theme songs on that cassette tape there you and go man, you're set I, I, windows down sunroof Her- open i Shirley love those Bassey singing right and so by your comparison i had my midlife crisis at 19 <laughs> which, ex- which explains a lot about me now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I digress. Um, I, you know, I was super surprised when I saw that first episode and that, that, that theme song ripped out. I'm like, well, that's disconsonant with everything else. I like that. <laughs> it is, it is definitely uh different it took me by surprise but it's really i i really love the song i actually really love the open um yeah there are some very bondian things in the open too there's that shot maybe about midway through the open where he's running it looks like across a bridge or something on a road and it's at night with this starry night very Mm -hmm. very reminiscent of the opening credits to um quantum of solace Mm. very 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 similar to at least to me but I thought, yeah, the the open's cool. Um, not that that really matters all that much. But I, I thought well, it was I cool. mean, I, I don't know. You know, so the, this day and age where you can watch all your episodes in one day, if you're really feeling like going at it, 
Right. Um, you know, most of the time when I'm watching something like that, I'll watch the first two episodes for the credits to see what they're like. Then after that's like skip intro, skip intro. Right. Uh, and this was one of those few where it was so different from the usual pseudo Game of Thrones extrapolations that are peppering everything anymore. Right. That I found myself watching just because the music was so good. Yeah. But I wasn't watching you know, CGI things unfolding into other CGI things. And- <laughs> yeah. No, it was just, it was very, it's very like graphic designy and yeah. in a, in a really good way. And, and yeah, the music, the music just kicks ass. Um, I, I just liked, yeah, the casting is great. There's, there's good diversity in it. Um, yes. I kind of like the fact that Alex's crush at school was named Aisha mainly mm-hmm. because one of my very first crushes in high school was also named Aisha. So <laughs> I felt like even though I'm much older than Alex Ryder, that I could relate. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, and I also like the, the later on love interest, uh, the character Kyra, who's played by Marley Sue. I think she was in game of Thrones as well. I believe. Oh, everybody in England was in game of Thrones, at least one episode. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> I liked her better than Alex Ryder, to be honest with you. She seemed like a more in-depth and complex character. But, and I hope they continue that in the next season and they don't whitewash it. Yeah, and just turn, I really turn ho- her into the sidekick. Yeah, no, I really hope that she comes back and, and is essentially his equal. Yeah, because she's got a really, I mean, yes, it's obviously sad that Alex is this orphan who's now lost his only lineage in his uncle. Um, but this girl goes through a lot. I don't want to give away. I don't want to give away everything, but she goes through an awful lot in this series and she's got just, like you said, just as much depth. I'm going to say right now, if this show goes any distance, she's going to end up being a bad guy. She's going to be, end up becoming the Alex Ryder nemesis. I I have a feeling. Yeah. yeah, That that's my prediction. I could see that potential. And plus, because she is such an intelligent character and she's so, yes, technically proficient that that could definitely be yeah i could see that so when we're reviewing when we're reviewing season six we'll find out for sure whether i'm right or wrong (laughs) so stay tuned kids (laughs) stay tuned for six years in the future (laughs) i also really liked the uh the headmaster of the school more or less uh dr greif this guy named halleck Bilgener is the actor. Say that who plays three times him. fast. Yeah, right. He he was tremendous. I mean, he kind of looks like the most interesting man in the world from those. He totally does <laughs> from those commercials. <laughs> um, but he's he's really good. Just a good, interesting person to look at. Um, mm-hmm. I loved the guy that plays Wolf. Sure, Howard Charles. Wolf is this guy who's the leader of the Special Air Service Squad. He's sort of like one of the actual soldiers of this. Uh, secret intelligence service um, offshoot and he sort of does some things in this season that sort of work to sort of train Alex in a very rough sort of way that he was not cool with yeah um, but but it makes for interesting watching for sure well and, and how about uh, Greif's uh, second in command oh my good she's like the Baroness from uh, <laughs> G.I. Like Joe from G.I. Joe she's like the Baroness right? from G.I. Joe like exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah she was something else too she was <laughs> very uh, 
kind of she, German, kind of like when I she she had the most. I would have to say that she gave off the most Bond vibe of any of the characters that were there. Very much a Bond henchman. Yes, if, if there ever was one in this show, but but played intelligently. Yes, as opposed to just eye candy with a stupid name and a and a shtick. Yeah, no, she actually served a purpose and she was effective in what she was doing. Right. And I mean, the funny thing is, it's like I could have seen this girl in Atomic Blonde or yes. any of these, you know, those cold. She looks like she belongs in an 80s Cold War spy movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the the black hair and just yep. the, the cheekbones I, and the, the yes. eyes and the accent, all of it. Yeah, it all works. It all works really well. Also, um, I love the fact that I actually didn't see the ending happening in the way that it did. I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen this because I'm aware that this show has not gained a ton of traction, especially in the States. But the ending is not what you think it's going to be exactly. Mm -hmm. It's close, but it's not exactly what you think it's going to be. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's horribly lazy. Um you think that the school is over and done with and that the bad guys are on the run. And then you have this final thing that happens that you're, that you didn't expect to happen. And the way that it happens is so unexpected. Like I really just, I don't know. I love watching you try and Chris Farley your way around spoilers. Remember that time <laughs> when they did that one thing at the, at the end of the movie? Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, I know. I'll probably just cut that out. <laughs> No, it's it's so endearing and charming. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I thought that they could have gone a very predictable route with mm -hmm. what the focus was of the headmaster of the school, mm -hmm. or like, or how he was going to achieve what he's trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's definitely different than what I what I thought was going to happen. Um, yeah, I. I I think it was great. Uh, it certainly opened the door to other things that can happen. And yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to have, if you want to make a TV show that goes more than one season, you have to, you have to leave some breadcrumbs out there. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. These ones were at least logical extensions rather than forced into getting you to another point. Right. So. Exactly. I remember thinking this is going to sound really strange that I'm connecting this but i remember watching the very first jurassic park and being so upset at the ending of it because i saw the ending and i'm like well that's just thrown out there lazily for a for a sequel like i was so mad at the ending to that movie because because it was such an obvious throw to sequel sure whereas this leaves things open but it's not yeah, like you said, it's not obvious. So yeah, that's pretty much my synopsis of it. I, I thought yeah. that it was a great, especially considering the the difficult times that we're in right now. <laughs> the fact that we're all sort of caged in and, and all we have is streaming services to keep ourselves busy most of the time. And the fact that James Bond may never come out. <laughs> so it's been a nice substitute slash stand-in uh, Absolutely. For, a, for a young James Bond series. I felt like he's this, he's a bit scrappier. He's not so privileged. Um, and the fact that he's got his friend Tom there as sort of the comedy relief and the reality relief to, to what he's all going through. And I'm super excited that, that, that they've already greenlit season two and that it's underway. And then to hear 
Toby Stevens is in it. I don't know. I highly recommend people go. If you have Amazon Prime, check it out. It's it's definitely worth a watch for, for sure. Yeah, and it, I think, don't quote me, I probably should have researched this better before I opened my mouth, <laughs> but I it may be available on IMDb for free via IMDb TV. Because oh, my okay. understanding is that everything that's being pushed through IMDb's now Amazon, you know, Amazon owns right. IMDb. I think everything that's being pushed through it is kind of a free deal. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I think the reason is, is that you're stuck watching commercials that you can't get out of. Correct. <laughs> but it's kind of worth it. And the fact that even though you are watching commercials, there's some language in the show that is not TV approved. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's so that was refreshing as well. That it does. It is one of those shows that I think both kids, kids and adults will both agree that they love. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it it ticks off check marks for both audiences. So yeah, while we're kind of wrapping things up, since this is our first TV review, um, I did want to mention we would love to hear from viewers of the podcast. So if you thought this was kind of cool, if this was a little different than you know, what we normally do, um, please feel free to, to drop us a line and say hi, or let you know, let us know what you thought of it. Um, our email is cicdeaddrop at gmail.com. That's all one word, cicdeaddrop at gmail.com. Also, you can also connect with us via Twitter at, um, it's at cicspypod. So drop us a line there as well. Um, I'll be, I'll, I will see it right away. I'm on Twitter all the time, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and don't forget, you know, if you guys have ideas, uh, movies, or even now TV shows, you think might be something we would want to take a look at, uh, let us know as well, because uh, obviously we can come up with tons of content on our own, but we want to do stuff that you're interested in hearing. So uh, give us a shout out if something seems to appeal to you more than anything else, and we'll take a look at it and see what we can do. Absolutely. And if you do enjoy the podcast, we would be super appreciative if you did decide to go to iTunes for just a moment and give us a five-star review because that helps the podcast show up higher when people start searching for stuff like this. So uh, yeah, if you would do that, we would. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. But with that, I'm Ben. I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem.